0: Well, we're now going to hear from the Bible. The Bible reading will be on the inside of your sheet. Uh, we're reading from Mark's Gospel uh, about an account of Jesus healing and bringing
1: someone back to life from the dead. And then after us, after that, Richard, our speaker for the day,
0: is going to explain it to us. So thanks, Josh. <laughs>
2: G'day everyone, my name's Josh, I don't go here anymore, but I've studied a four-year Bachelor of Primary Ed, and now teach kids in Dubbo. Uh, We're going to read Mark chapter 5, so read along. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, and fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, and be healed of your disease. for she was 12 years of age and they were immediately overcome with amazement and he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat.
1: My name's Richard, especially if it's your first time here. Uh, It's good to have you with us and what we're looking at is this passage that's just been read out to us. Now most of us, at the University of Wollongong appear to have a great life. You're young, just look at you. Look at each other for a moment. Yeah, There you go, you're young. Some of you have eyebrows going up and down at this point in time, showing off that you're young. (laughs) You're attractive, you're intelligent. And most of all, students at Wollongong University are just chilled. That's the reputation that we have, we're chilled. And according to one survey, amongst many, the University of Wollongong have some of the happiest students in Australia, woohoo, that's us, happy, right? we won't talk about academic results, <laughs> we're happy, right? we're amongst the happiest students in Australia. But my guess is that despite your appearance of happiness, and chillness on the outside, a number of us suffer all sorts of issues deep within that no one else really know about. It could be relational issues with family or friends. It could be our struggle with emotional health. It could be even a struggle with physical health. But no one really knows because of the facade of happiness and chillness. And perhaps there have been moments when we've really reached desperate times. Now I vividly remember the father of one student ringing me because his daughter had attempted to commit suicide. And so he exhorted me to go to her quickly to see how we could help her whilst it took them another hour to drive down from Sydney. They were desperate times. And in the story, this has been read out for us, which is not a, a fictional story, but a true story, we need a desperate father. A desperate father who has a daughter who is dying. But before we look at this, we're actually going to hear... God's voice in this, in the scriptures, and so I'm going to actually pray, asking God to help me to teach this faithfully, because it is God who's speaking. And if you are the praying kind, please pray with me. If you're not, just listen in for a moment, because we really want to hear and do business with God. Please pray with me for a moment. We thank you, dear Father, that we can meet in your name uh, this afternoon to hear your voice in Scripture. And we pray now that you'll so help me to speak faithfully for us to listen carefully and that we will respond in a way that is truly, truly right. And we pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. 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 we we'll meet a father who has reached a desperate time. His name is Jairus, we're told, and he's the ruler of a synagogue. A synagogue is the place where Jewish people used to meet on a weekly basis after the temple had basically been destroyed. And he was well known, this man called Jairus. Unlike ministers or pastors of churches today, the ruler of a synagogue was a well-respected person in their town. Very well known. The synagogue, more than any other institution, you see, was the place that gave character to the Jewish faith. It was meant to be the sanctuary, the the miniature sanctuary, to replace this lost temple for Jewish people who were scattered all over the Middle East. And as such, the ruler of the synagogue had a high status in his community. And so did his family, including his daughter, the daughter of Jairus, because she belonged to a prominent family. He's a big deal in town, at least amongst the Jews, amongst the religious, and even if you were not religious, you knew about such people. And so by default, she is in a well-known family. I am told that if this was Downton Abbey, it would be like Lady Mary. <laughs> Those of you who laugh know what I'm talking about. but I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> On a bigger scale, she would be like the local mayor's daughter. It's a bit like that. But she's dying. She's dying. And everybody knows that she's dying. Everybody's worried. She's the centre of the crowd's attention. And presumably they've tried everything to heal her. These are desperate times. Now I'm no gyrus, but I'm part of a church family and a ministry family that know me well. And when my first wife was diagnosed with end stage cancer, cancer, these other families within our community knew all about it and cared for us amazingly. And we felt so cared for, but they were still desperate times that called for desperate measures. Everybody knew that we were seeking to to stop the progress of this cancer through chemotherapy, through radical surgery, and when we knew it wasn't curable, we tried everything to slow it down. And I have a small inkling of what Jairus would have felt there. Except it was his daughter. It's one thing to have your spouse dying. But it's quite another thing to have a child dying. Children are meant to outlive their parents. So what does Jairus do? Well, look at that small 21, verse 21. See, Jairus called upon the greatest healer of all time, Jesus. And if you read this biography of Mark from the beginning, you will find that Jesus says something real about the world we live in, that it is filled with hardships, that there is suffering, there is sickness, there is death, and that he came to end what causes them all, once for all. And if you've never never read this, we hope that you can read it by looking at Mark's gospel, what we call Uncover Mark. Please read it with one of us if you haven't done that already. Or please indeed come to this Mark drama and if you haven't got your ticket for tonight, please come tomorrow night and see the whole thing, the whole thing acted out, yes, but the whole story and see how Jesus dealt with instances like this. You will see this very account performed. At this point, in the narrative of Mark's gospel, no one's really put together that Jesus has come to end it all. All they knew was that he could heal people. So here is Jairus, the synagogue ruler, on his knees before Jesus, doing what any desperate father would do, begging Jesus, begging him to heal his daughter. And Jesus agrees to. But on the way, he's pressed in by a large crowd. I don't know whether you've been in a large crowd before. Have you ever been in a large crowd as you're heading towards a concert or large crowd as you're heading towards a sporting event? Hands up if you've been in that kind of situation. Yeah, I haven't quite because I'm, I'm just so uncool. Um, but you guys are obviously cool, right? And, and imagine just going this large crowd to a concert. It's like that, except for Jesus, he <coughs> is the concert. He is the grand final. They're pressing in around him. They want a piece of him. Everybody else wants a piece of him, including this bleeding woman. What do we learn of this bleeding woman? Look at the small 25 or verse 25. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. And for she said, if I touch even his garments, I'll be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. That's incredible, isn't it? No, firstly, she's been bleeding for 12 years. We don't know exactly what is being referred to here, but what we do know was 12 years. Years and despite spending all she had on all these numerous doctors, she just kept getting worse. Now, here's the thing it's it's not just her health and hygiene that's the problem. Under the laws of God, when a woman was bleeding, she became ceremonially unclean. Under the laws of God. And an unclean person must remove themselves from the people and live in isolation until they become clean again. And if anyone touched not only her, but her clothes or her bed or anything she touched, they too would become ceremonially unclean. Please note, this also applies to men as well, not just to women, right? If men have some kind of bleeding as well, it applies to them too. Now imagine if your bleeding never stopped for 12 years. That would mean this woman had to be in isolation for 12 years. Her family couldn't touch her. Her friends couldn't touch her. No one else could if they knew what was going on. But this woman (coughs) touches Jesus. And she's healed. Instantly healed. We'll come back to that. But Jesus touches someone else as well. Jairus' daughter. And Jairus' daughter is not only healed, she's brought back to life. As it turns out, during the time Jesus has his encounter with the bleeding woman, the daughter of Jairus dies. And so we read in verse 35, look at verse 35, we read these words, While he was still speaking there, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. And Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Just pause there for a moment. You know, when people died during that time, you had to go through a time of mourning. And because some personalities don't necessarily mourn or that easily cry really easily, they usually, they used to apparently hire people to be professional whalers, not not catching whales, but to be, To be people who mourned and created the mourning atmosphere for people. I used to think, oh, how could this possibly happen? I I couldn't imagine it. But you know, we actually have someone living with us at the moment this week who comes from a particular part (coughs) of the world where they actually do this. They actually do this. They call them in and they professionally wail. And she said to us, just in our home, you know, two days ago, she just said, Oh God, it it just gets frustrating but they Who are you here? Oh that's sad, who are you? And then it, just three, or four days they would mourn and wail and weep. And this is what's going on here, in some sense. But, but it is genuine weeping, of course, by those who are close to her. But what takes place there in verse forty one? You know, they laugh at him when he says, you know, go outside, she's only asleep. Taking her by the hand Jesus said to her, that is Jairus' daughter, Talitha Kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. What an understatement! Just with amazement. I'd be jumping out of my skin, but this is a dead girl, right? She comes to life. She's 12 years old. The woman who had been bleeding throughout her entire life was also bleeding for twelve years old. Twelve years. One level, these two wooden women couldn't be further apart apart from the twelve years that they shared with their life. One, an untouchable outcast who was bleeding. The other, the daughter of a prominent synagogue ruler. But here's the thing. Disease and death put them on a level playing field. Suffering and death is the great leveler. It doesn't matter who you are if you're poor, if you're rich, you will experience suffering and death until Jesus returns. You're not immune to suffering and death. None of us are. And I'm sad, but I hope I'm lovingly saying that if you haven't experienced suffering, it's only because you haven't lived life long enough. And if you haven't seen or smelt or (coughs) experienced death somewhere close in the family, again, it's because you haven't lived life long enough. Now it goes further than this, though. In terms of God's law, the moment you die you also became ceremonially unclean. In fact, you became unclean if you touched a dead person. Which is what makes, what's going on here, a miracle of two touches. The miracle of two touches. You see, this bleeding woman touched Jesus out of desperation. Jesus touched the dead girl And what's the miracle of these two touches? Well, it's all about finding life. Finding life in Jesus. It's not just that they were healed or even raised from the dead, you see. It's that in both cases they were forbidden touches. Jesus should have become ceremonially unclean for touching them according to the law. But when Jesus touches them, the power is reversed. He makes what the Lord declared to be unclean become clean. As one person put it, the woman who has been on the margins of community has to come into the centre of the community in order to receive the touch of God and be made clean. All the people that she touched as she moved towards the centre were technically tainted by her presence as she pressed in to find Jesus. But Jairus' daughter, on the other hand, who enjoyed the limelight and the privilege of living in the centre of the community, had to move outside of the community, so to speak. She had to die. Jesus had to meet her in the darkness of isolation before she could receive this healing touch and be brought back to life. So if we step back for a moment, we need to see the big picture of what's going on. See, when Jesus came 2,000 years ago, he came to bring in his decisive touch on humanity. What he called the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. It referred to his rule, his reign, his preeminence, his supremacy as king over everything. And everything opposed to his rule is to be done away with. Everything, including sickness and death. Because sickness and death are opposed to his rule. But Jesus came to ultimately deal with the cause of sickness and death which is the ultimate thing that opposes his rule it's what the bible calls sin sin and sin is best understood by the way it's spelt it's a small s a humongous i in the middle and a small n it's got to do with me i running my own life my own way without God, where I want to express my authentic self and not be constrained by any other rule, especially the rule of God. That's why we live in the I world, isn't it? We have iPhones and iPads and I everything else. It's all about me, me being in control of everything else. You see, it's safety to the culture, doesn't it? You think, yeah, I've got an iPhone because I'm an I man or an I woman. <laughs> I'm just I. It's all about I. But what's that about? It's about me wanting autonomy. In the end it's like a goldfish wanting to be free of the water and jumping out to get freedom and death. See, when is a fish truly free? When it lives the way it was created to live in the water. When is a human being truly free? When they live the way they were created to be. In relationship with the living God as king over their lives. Trouble is we don't want that. To resist his rule is in the end to choose the opposite of his rule. Because his rule is life. To choose not to live for him, the giver of life, in the end is to choose death. And that's what marks our world, isn't it? Sickness and death, as well as every form of lifestyle that is seeking to be free of God's rule. This may feel just a little distant synagogue ruler, daughter, a woman with a discharge for 12 years. I've just been reading a, a book of a friend who, not quite published yet, but he, he went through a, a trek in the Himalayas. And he visited various villages just to see what it was like to live amongst or be amongst these unriched people groups. He went to one village where he saw a man whose eye had literally just been taken out of his head. It was just an eye socket. And it's because he had an infection that could so easily have been cured. But it was obvious that the rest of his body was infected and he was probably going to die in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Feel free to come in and listen. (laughs) He went to another village where he found a child (coughs) chained in a barn. Because in that society, that was something that was a curse, so they chained this disabled child in the barn. We went to another village where 60 people had just died in the last fortnight of cholera. Cholera is actually easily treatable. And just died. We went to another village, but it was actually scarce of girls between 6 and 12 years of age because people had come in in this poverty stricken village and they had promised that they could look after these girls and give them a better life. But of course these people were sex traffickers. And these children were taken off and being abused, 6 to 12. happening sickness, death hostility against God Jesus came to deal with all of his fights for all and he came at the first Easter to make us clean he came to offer us forgiveness of sins that cause all of this Forgiveness of sins under his rule. So when Jesus came and healed people like this, when Jesus raised the dead like this, it was like a movie trailer for his kingdom where his rule over the effects of sin and death were foreshadowed. It's like a movie trailer of what is to come. Because in the new creation, when he does come to take these people home, there will be no more sin and disease and sickness and death. And this was a time in which it was as if heaven and earth were in sync just at this moment to give us a preview of what that reality is going to be like. And his story here is ultimately about issues in human life which concerns our future and the future of the world, of which we are a part. So what about me? Are you living under your own rule, where you have autonomy, where you are wanting to be freed from God's rule, but you recognise that it's just not working? And today would be a great day to turn back to Jesus as your ruler. He doesn't promise to heal us of our diseases now, but he does promise that when he returns, everything will be made. And if you're not sure where you sit in the kingdom of God, then please investigate further, won't you? Come and read Uncovered Mark. Do come along and see the Mark. Come and talk to any of us who've been up the front. We'd love to talk to you. But if you know all this is true, and, and you know Jesus is your king, And can I say the best thing you can do is tell people about this Jesus. Live for His glory. If you really want to do something that will influence the world, then why not start living for Jesus? Dying your death In the cause of telling others about Jesus. But let me come back to you. If you don't know this Jesus as your Lord, as your King, then I want to ask you whether you'd like to pray right now to ask for this forgiveness. I've got a prayer that I want to read out to you. It's a very simple prayer coming out of this text to to capture the the main ideas of what's taking place here. It goes like this. Dear Father, please forgive me for wanting to rule my own life without you. Thank you for sending Jesus to take upon himself the punishment that I deserve. And please help me to delight in living for Jesus as my Lord and Saviour from now on. It's a very simple prayer, isn't it? It's the kind of prayer that you can pray to become a Christian, to to receive the forgiveness that he offers, to therefore come into his kingdom where he is your king. And if you know that this is a prayer that you can pray and would like to pray, then I'm going to pray this prayer sentence by sentence. And you can echo it in your head and your heart to God in silence. And let me assure you, God will answer. Will you pray with me? If this is your prayer, please pray. Dear Father, please forgive me for wanting to rule my own life without you. Thank you for sending Jesus to take upon himself the punishment that I deserve. Please help me to delight in living for Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. Amen. Amen means I meant it. You meant that. We'd love to talk to you. I think Luke's going to lead us in more prayer.
0: So let's pray again. Yeah, let's continue in prayer now. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Easter uh, and for your son Jesus, who came to Earth and died for us, taking the punishment that we deserve. And we thank you so much. That's not the end of the story, that he rose again, defeating death and allowing anyone to have true life through trusting in him thank you for the talk we've just heard uh, and that we see jesus who brings life to us no matter who we are that he brings an end to sickness and death that as the king he saves us from sin that he forgives us of our sin and that he brings the new kingdom that he will be bringing that new kingdom without sin and death and sickness lord we pray for the mark drama tonight and tomorrow night Uh, that people would see and hear the good news of Jesus, Uh, that we would all see the new life that he brings to us. Please help the actors with the nerves they might have, that you help them with that, and that for people who come along, it would be an amazing reminder for who Jesus is and what he's done. Lord, we also know that Easter is a fantastic time to celebrate uh, Jesus and what he's done, but it's also a really difficult time for most Christians around the world. Uh, For those who are being persecuted, their faith particular at this time, please help and strengthen them uh, in their faith and please help them to be bold in standing firm in the truth of Jesus and proclaiming that to others. And finally, Lord, as we celebrate Easter this weekend and have holidays next week, um, we pray that we would be safe uh, and that amidst all the chocolate and family and good times uh, that we would remember the true meaning of Easter, which is Jesus and the new life and hope and eternal life that he brings. Amen. Amen.